talking about very unreasonable things. And I'm, <laughs> God damn it, piece of shit. Hey everyone, welcome to Very Unreasonable Things. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Bone. I'm joined by Daniel Sanders. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And back with us this week after his mini vacation is Josh Lindsay. Howdy, howdy. We are going to talk about the year 1994, as chosen by Daniel Sanders. Yep, it was so, me. So, Daniel, why 1994? I just, uh, we did 89. I figured do something through the 90s and uh, just randomly picked 1994. Pretty simple. Sounds good to me. So, how old were you in 1994? Me? I was nine. Are you sure? Because, you know, last time we struggled with our ages. Yeah. I was nine. I think Josh was maybe 12 or 13. You were, what, 27, 28? <laughs> 14, you piece of shit. Yeah, that's right, because you have the easiest math. You were born in 80. So, yeah. Yeah, and we, we discussed this last time. We talked about a year. How old were you in 94? Me? 14. Yeah. You were born in 80? Yeah. Wouldn't you be 13? No. No. You're not born a year old. You yeah, turn a I'm, year in 81. Yeah. And I yeah. turned 10 <laughs> in 1990. In yeah. The the year coincides with how old I am. So in 81, I was one. In 82, I was two. 83, I was three. You see where I'm going with this, or do I need to keep going? I, I'd prefer if you kept going. All right. So we'll <laughs> skip a few numbers. In 89, I was nine. In 90, I was 10. In 91, I was 11. 92, I was 12. 93, I was 13. 94, Surprise, surprise. I was 14. 14. How old I, were you in 2014? <laughs> How old are you now? <laughs> 41. How old will you be well, in the year 2052? 72. So what do you remember about 1994, Bone? What, what What's the one thing that comes to mind when I say 1994? I have no idea. Honestly, I... Shut up, Daniel. Welcome to Very Unreasonable Things. <laughs> Josh, no, when you think yeah. about 1994, what's the one thing that comes to mind? Okay, uh, this is when, the, 94 of the year, I guess, like, if I picture it in my head, and it's, it's like, fireworks behind it, and, you know, it's, uh, when I think of 94, I think of two things. I think of, no, three things. We'll go three things. The first one is OJ killing his, um, his ex-wife. And Ronald Goldman, I think that sort of defined the year. Maybe defined the 90s. Who knows? Second was Bret Hart winning the Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah. Co-winner. Yeah. Uh, and the third uh, is uh, Cobain killing himself. I think that sort of oh, is no. 90s. Oh, yeah. That's right. That was in a nutshell. wasn't it? like how you've got Bret Hart winning the Royal Rumble ahead of that. Like, well, let me hear. I think that he was trying to keep, you know... No, well, no, I, did, I didn't put him in order. I'm, but I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Bret Hart winning the Royal Rumble wasn't number one. Yeah, no, right. You think they just started positive and went back? As, well, as much as this guy loves negative. Bret Hart, yeah. Uh, Daniel, we got a like uh, you get a guest special guest. Yeah, we do. Hey, do so you want to say hey, Lucas? Yes. All right. So, what, so, so, what y'all talking about? 1994. I was nine years old, much like you are now. We're going to talk about the movies and music and stuff that came out of that year. What's your favorite movie? Right here. Just say Maverick. Lion King. What's your favorite movie of all time? Uh, I really don't know. If we could watch a movie <laughs> right now, what would you want to watch? Likely, out of what I would, what I would want, if it would be horror based, which is likely what it would be, um, Halloween. There we go. That's a good one. 
Nice. And mostly, he, and mostly because y'all, because I'm gonna love. He means when, to rob zombie version. If that happens, then then it's just gonna be why'd you let him go? Yep. I shot him six times. Exactly. <laughs> I got it wrapping around my neck. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. But yeah, 1994. 94. What so, do you think of Daniel? What do I think of with what? Whenever night I think of 1994. Yeah, Dan, Bone obviously being. I would think the crow. Uh, the crow is the first thing that makes me think of that year because that Halloween, everybody was dressed <laughs> as the crow. Do you remember that shit? Every fucking Dude, person on the street uh, was the crow. For a few years afterwards as well. <laughs> yeah, until Scream. <laughs> so yeah. to be, we got kind of a late notice on the 1994 year, and so I was trying to get my shit together for my list. Now that you mention them, yeah, Kurt Cobain dying would be the big one, just because at that time I was really into Nirvana. And I was like, oh. Do you remember where you were at when you when you heard about that? I was in Carthage, Mississippi. Well, I was in Twin City. In that area of Mississippi. It was the first or second year I was here. And it happened. Because, you know, I got the Columbia House tapes and shit. And Nevermind was one of them. Pearl Jam 10 was one of them. Then they send you those letters saying you owe them $150 for the tapes you never paid for. And shit like that. You just wait until they leave you alone. And you enjoy your 12 cassettes you got for a penny. Yeah. That was not a good business strategy by (laughs) Columbia. Yeah, I remember where I was when I heard about... um, Cobain dying. It, it was one of those odd things because I got into Nirvana after Cobain had died. But I remember seeing on the TV where I was at. I was at my buddy um, David's house, and we were we were going outside to play basketball, probably. And it just you know headline news, and it was like Kurt Cobain found in his um, upstairs guest house. You know, it yeah. was just crazy. We're gonna talk about movies. Uh, well, it feels like we need to segue into fucking music and josh wanted to do top five after daniel come up oh. with the top five list for the website josh oh, like let's do top off. five here so we're doing top five movies fuck. we're doing top five albums you're we're only doing top, saying this we're doing because we're josh josh please you're only with, saying this because i told josh. you before we hit record hey you know what i went top 10 on songs josh you don't even know and what, what? you're talking about right now josh guess what josh you you're not even hearing yourself on right my now. movies, uh, yeah, yeah. On my movies, I got a, I got a tie for number five. Okay, so you know, I did top ten on everything. Oh shit, he's lying. No, nah, I, I know. Yeah, like <laughs> so so I got, did top ten and twenty-two <laughs> honorable mentions apiece. <laughs> so, <laughs> top five movies, top five albums, top five songs, plus some honorable mentions. Yep. Uh, top five games. And you know top. what? I didn't get top five TV shows. I've got three. Oh shit! I totally forgot about that. We are so professional. I got I, I got know, three. Right? Fu- well, two fucking shows are given because they were at their peak. And then um, final segment for an episode like this: the hill that you're willing to die on. Uh, Wait, yeah, what? I didn't bring that. Motherfucker! I told you yesterday <laughs> to have that shit. So, Daniel. Hey, what's up? Let's hear this top five movies. All right. So for me, top five movies, we're just going to dive right on into this. All right. For me, I have clerks. That's, uh, I don't really rank them. I'm just kind of like, you know, five of the movies. I'm not really doing a like number one type thing, you know, but, um, hold on before you continue, Josh. Yeah. Okay. Josh, I paid attention to what you said we were doing and I actually ranked mine for you because that's what you asked. Thank you. 
Okay. Yes, okay. Well, fuck yes, it. Yes, sir. Cut back. Right, I'm gonna start back. Just, just re- redo the thing. Okay. You can't anyway. triple step a double step. I know, right? All right, my number five, top clerks. Five. Number five, Cler- What the fuck? How did you guess that? You really know me too well. Uh, in some but yeah, number five, clerks. Uh, number four. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. <laughs> but uh yeah, man. I remember watching the clerk uh clerks. It wasn't in ninety four though. Um it was a few years later whenever a friend of mine was like, Hey, watch this movie. It's really funny and great and will be great for the rest of our lives. <laughs> Who is that friend do you at maybe thinking? Well his name is Josh Lindsay. The son of a bitch that's laughing uncontrollably for me putting this movie on this list. It's confusing, I know. Excuse me. I, uh, but yeah, man, I loved Clerks, for real. Because see, by that time, whenever I'd watched it, uh, Mall Rats and I think Chasing Amy was already out. By the time, yeah. I, you know, y'all introduced me and it was like, oh man, you know, early, good oh, Kevin Smith, you know. Mall Rats was on constantly at your house. Oh man, I loved that movie. Constantly. To this day, I love it. I, I saw Clerks, I think, closer to when it came out on video. I think at that point I had a subscription to Rolling Stone and you know, I give Josh shit about being a hipster, but fuck, I had a subscription to Rolling Stone. But uh I remember reading about it in Rolling Stone and they were talking about the movie and you know, they did their little articles about whatever and then you started seeing it in other places and other magazines, shit I had access to at the time, and then I rented it when it came out on VHS. I think me and Thomas watched it and I love that movie. And it's on my list too, but we'll get to that point. We just won't talk about it then. I'll just be like, hey, here's well, my I'll, whatever. I'll say this: 90, 94 was the year of the independent filmmaker, but to Clark, really shine. Yeah, but go ahead, Daniel. I, Look, check it out. That movie has the funniest line in any movie ever. The way that it's set up for me, and that's not me exaggerating. This is a true thought. But uh, whenever he tells the guy at the goddamn counter. My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks, and the guy says, in a row? That is the funniest line in a movie ever. It is three fucking words because of how it's set up. Try not to suck any dick on the way to the parking lot. The dude turns around and follows her. Hey, get yeah. back here. Yeah. That is a funny-ass moment in that movie. But It would have yeah, been interesting to see the, the alternative ending that yeah. was originally written for that movie. Yeah. Where he ends up dying. About it, Josh. Yeah, they yeah the 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 store ends up getting robbed and he ends up getting yeah. shot and killed. You can um, see it in like DVD versions. I mean, like it was filmed. Yeah. Like I've seen it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? When I first saw the movie and I first heard about that ending, I'm like, oh well, I like this ending better. But then they made Clerks Two, and I'm like, maybe they should have went with that ending. Oh, after Clerks yeah. Two, they should have killed everybody in the first one. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, Daniel, go ahead. Number four. But yeah, man. Uh, number four for me. Well, is, how'd you know he's done talking about clerks? But number four for me is The Crow. That one I was aware of when it came out and watched it a hundred times. Everybody was aware. You know what I'm saying? Because you all heard about how Brandon Lee died yeah. in this movie. It was one of those, just like with Heath Ledger, he didn't die making the movie, but he died before it was released for uh, Dark Knight. Even people who really wasn't a Batman fan, but they might've been a Heath Ledger fan or whatever. And it was like, Oh man, they went and saw this movie. You it know, definitely helped the box things. office for dark Knight. It, yeah, it really did. But, yeah. and then they might not even have been there for the reason that everyone else was, but they stayed because of that reason. Cause the dark Knight is a great fucking movie. 
But um, but anyway, the crow man. Um, like I said, it was a a dark, rainy movie. Dude played electric guitar without anything plugged up, like on the roof in the rain. But come on, this is '90s here, and it's 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 great. I really did enjoy. Pretty it. good soundtrack. Pretty good soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. one of the better soundtracks to come out of the '90s. It's no shocker, but yeah. that shit on your face, not mine. Yeah. Well, so the question now, <laughs> before we move on to you guys talking about the crow, be honest: Were you the crow that year for Halloween? No. Uh, the the last year I went trick or treating, which I was admittedly probably too old to be trick or treating. Uh, me and uh, a buddy that us three know, Aaron, we went as the crow. Uh, I have a lot oh, of cringe man. moments in my <laughs> life, and that is one of them. Is it your last trick or treating? Yeah, you know what? Like, we were too old. I think we were driving around in a car, smoking cigarettes. <laughs> trick or there, <laughs> there was a point where I got, like, heavy into, like, the zombie makeup. Just trying to do, like, shit with the makeup. So, like, I had this one year, I made, like, this wound on my neck to where when I swallowed, blood would come pouring out of it. Oh, that's so, pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't do the crow. Now, I did some other, like, cliche things, like, one year I dressed up as Darth Maul. Uh, one yeah. year I dressed up as Paul Stanley and I don't even like Kiss. Yeah. But so. How did Eric Draven die in that movie? Uh, was pretentiousness. He, you can was only, he shot? You can only be so pretentious before you suffer like a fatal heart attack. No, what was it? No, Is he it, gets his revenge and then he passes on, right? He like continues. No, 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 no. He dies. He dies in the first. Yeah. He's talking about how he, he died shot. in the beginning of the movie. Oh. And the fact that I remembered his name, you know what? I'm kind of surprised. Well, it's because it's such a it's such a rock name. Yeah, it's a, it's a very edge lord name, Eric yeah. Draven. Yep. God damn, Eric Draven. It's edge lord. I don't use that enough to describe people, but yeah, it's perfect. You know, um, I don't I don't have the crow in my top five. I watched it. I, I liked it. I liked it more then than I do now. And this list this year or this one we're doing this episode is more reflective of how I feel about these movies now. No, as it should. And how I feel about these songs and stuff like that. And The Crow doesn't crack my top five. But I did enjoy it. But I think The Crow is more style than substance. And the more you watch it, the more it trends in that way. And well, the f- and it gets very kind of like, it has a lot of, they're not one-liners like Schwarzenegger one-liners and stuff like that. But there's a lot of cringy little quotes in there. I hope you're not talking about It Can't Rain All the Time. That's one of the greatest quotes in movie history. Uh, Aside from in a row? No. no. We know. We talked about this on our previous episode. The greatest quote in uh, movie history is, and the president's going to make me the secretary of pussy. Yeah, that's that's correct. <laughs> or, uh, how about I kick your ass off the motherfucking planet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Daniel, number three. Number three. Number three for me is Pulp Fiction. This is wow. another movie that I very much love. And anytime it's on TV, I'm watching it. You know what I mean? Like, it's one that draws me in. Got a couple posters in my room. Number three, yeah. though. That's, that's, Pulp Fiction. Pulp I thought that would have been number one. Yeah, I, I, I love Pulp oh, Fiction. Yeah, that's a great movie. Is. You'll, you'll see. Yeah, Pulp Fiction, I mean, you know, that's, everyone knows Pulp Fiction. You know, I mean, you got so much good things. We used to quote the shit out of that movie. Yeah, it still can. It's it's up there with the Lebowski for me in terms of just I know every beat of dialogue, and 
I, I haven't seen the movie in its totality in um, maybe a decade, but I still but know it. You can, and you can look at the, the impact that Pulp Fiction had just by looking at Samuel L. Jackson. Because everybody knows Samuel L. Jackson is that guy that says motherfucker. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So, but you know, and Tarantino at, at one point, it, it stopped being this maybe at around the time of Kill Bill. But he revived the career of Travolta. Yeah. Yeah. And well, that's he what he did in his movies. Now he just. He gave Bruce Willis a boost too, didn't he? Because wasn't Bruce Willis kind of on a. Not to the level of Travolta, because Travolta not was. Not to the level of But yeah. Yeah, Travolta Willis was like. Was come, nobody fucking no, watched a Travolta movie anymore. N- yeah, but I, I. I know why you say Willis, but I don't think Willis, because Willis had Die Hard with a Vengeance that same year. Did he? Yeah. So it's. Uh, but you know, Uma Thurman wasn't a name. But he didn't revive her career. But he did that with Robert Forster and Jackie Brown. He would he would take these people and just sort of um Well then let's, let's say it. Pulp Fiction and Die Hard with a Vengeance, because I remember like before that there was like a lull. Oh, Hudson Hawk striking distance. Which I like Hudson Hawk. You Hulk. fucking name it. But yeah, these were bombs. Yeah. Yeah, but nobody uh, was watching Travolta. Color nobody of even night. fucking remember Travolta. No. And then Luke all of a sudden, talking was where he was at. And all of a sudden, this motherfucker's in Broken Arrow and Face Off and mm-hmm. Phenomenon and whatever other fucking movies that come out. Michael. And then Name he you know, went primary back down. Oh, Get Shorty. He was in that. That's right. Mm. Uh, maybe my favorite Travolta performance. Get Shorty was... And, Broken Arrow? And then he become a fucking parody of himself. You know? Yeah. He's, he, ended he's up a, with, he ended up with that fucking Steven Seagal hair. Yep. Oh, he, he shaved it finally. He yeah. shaved it. He's 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 gone. But okay, Daniel, number two and number one. Let's hear him, buddy. Number two is going to be the professional. Now, I do. I will say that in these lists, you know, I might see a movie that's like, man, I haven't seen that in a minute, but I remember it being really, really good, you know, and loving it. Not when it came out. I'm sure it was a couple of years later because I was still a little young to be jumping into that. But um, I mean, I was watching horror a lot. I watched a lot of horror, but for yeah. coming into good action, that was a little bit later. But uh, but yeah, that's a good one. Now he wanted me to say two and one, but uh, number one with a bullet is Shawshank Redemption, the greatest movie to come out of nineteen ninety four. What's your What's your opinion on uh? So, I I have actually never seen. There. I've actually never seen the professional. Yeah. I, for whatever reason, I just never got around to watching it, and I have not seen this. We talked about this previously, you and I, but I haven't seen the Shawshank Redemption because I read Rita Hayworth in the Shawshank Redemption, yeah, the story, and I really liked what I read. So I was like, "There's no reason for me to watch this movie." Yeah, so I didn't. And I don't know. There's something about Tim Robbins. Yeah. <laughs> He's giving you a uh, shit a Kevin Costner feel. Yeah, like a mini Kevin Costner. Yeah. So, Josh, what's your opinion on uh, <clears throat> the professional? Because uh, I know the that professional you love Shawshank. <laughs> yeah, uh, the professional uh, made my list. Um, the professional is Luke Besson's. Uh, from what I've seen, his masterpiece. I, I I I do like the Fifth Element a lot, but Leon the professional, outside of in which he intentionally did this. But it's still sweaty. Uh, outside of like uh, Leon and Natalie Portman's characters' relationship, 
Uh, Gary Oldman is fucking turned up to 11 in that movie. And I was thinking yeah. about this last night. Um, and, you know, Luke Besson used Gary Oldman for The Fifth Element as well. And Gary Oldman in the 90s, I mean, fucking signed me up. Dude, you know, you remember Gary Oldman in True Romance? Dude, of course. He's got one scene. <laughs> he's got two scenes, and he fucking steals it. He, yeah, steals, he steals it. the entire and, movie. And he does the same thing in Leon the Professional. I, I got Leon the Professional, because in America, it's called the Professional. Yeah. Outside of the continental United States, it's called Leon. Uh, he is turned up to 11, and it is beautiful to watch him play, because he's, like, drugged out of his mind. Yeah. And you believe his character is fucked up entirely, and he's 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 completely over overacting in every scene. And most actors, when they overact, they become sort of a parody of themselves. Yeah, not yeah. Gary Oldman. It becomes yeah, like that's Gary that's Oldman. fucking art, you monkeys. <laughs> you know, like that's. Yeah, Leon the Professional. It, it you you need to watch it, Bone. The fact that that's in your blonde spot, you need to course correct that. Well, tell us seriously, you Shawshank. Shawshank, huh? Shawshank, Josh. Tell us Shawshank. About Shawshank. Okay. Are are we doing this now? We'll save it. No, it's, let's keep going. Okay. No, we'll we'll save it. All right. He doesn't we'll want to talk back about... around to. Well, for me, Shawshank, yeah. you got you got Morgan Freeman. All right narrating this thing and what a beautiful voice to have narrating it you know he narrates the entire goddamn movie he does he does and uh i'm not hating it but yeah it's a good one bone you got well no you read the book so you know the story i'm not yeah no it's completely different you don't know you need to watch the movie yeah but it's you read a you read a novella okay you need to yeah it's it's uh, it's different did he dig a tunnel and escape Yep. Okay. How did you know? Was it hidden behind a uh, poster of Rita Hayworth? Oh, it was behind a poster. No. Queen Elizabeth. Sorry. Actually, it was Roger Moore. Oh, so it was Roger Moore (laughs) and the Shawshank Redemption now. Yeah. Yep. So thanks, man. I'll go. We're going to let Josh go last on the movies, so I'll go. So number five for me is Interview with the Vampire. It's a good one. I enjoyed the movie. Um, I like Tom Cruise's performance in it, you know, because Tom Cruise... He had a type he was playing, and when he played Lestat, he was a fucking asshole. And yep. it was great. Like, he showed a little range outside of just like that, hey, I'm Tom Cruise, I'm flying this F-14, you know, plane, and I'm flipping fucking bottles of whiskey and shit while I mix drinks. I like the setup, I like the story, I'd read the book. Um, you know, Josh, you want to shit on it? Uh, actually, um, this this made my list. Oh, oh God, Wow. Between um, me and Josh, this, <laughs> no, we, we had this movie, you know, when when I started looking at the movies that came out in 1994, and I saw this movie, and I kept thinking about it. I'm like, this movie's first off an anomaly. You took Cruz taking this chance playing Lestat, right? Mm-hmm. This uh, Lestat character from an Anne Rice novel. You have this. The beautiful thing about Interview with a Vampire is that you have this actor at the Peak of his power. 1994 Tom Cruise, there's no other movie star that is in that fucking stratosphere. Maybe Hanks. He's on his way up. And then you have Brad Pitt, who's ascending. You know, like, mm-hmm. he's jumping off Thelma and Louise. You know, he's, he's got some bit parts. 
This movie had a lot of people in it too, because you have Antonio Banderas oh, later on. You have Antonio Banderas. You have Christian Slater. Yeah, Christian, Christian Slater. Slater. And it's directed by Neil Jordan, the guy who did the Crying Game. And you watch it, and like Anne Rice hated the idea of Tom Cruise playing Lestat. Hated it. She watched the movie. She was like, "I was fucking wrong." You watch the movie. You're like, "Oh my god, this is a movie star." You know, yeah. say what you yeah. want. Tom Cruise is a fucking movie star. Yeah. And Brad Pitt, I mean, look, his, I, I don't know ca- what you call pit heads, but I'm, I'm a Brad Pitt guy. His character and, in this movie was kind of mopey. Yeah. Yeah, but that, it, it sort of defined the vampire genre, yeah. didn't it? Mopey. Well, no, I mean, this is one of those movies, though, I think, though, where the build star of the movie was the star of the movie. Because, you know, you talked about Gary Oldman earlier still in the movie, mm-hmm. in The Professional. Like, nobody's stealing shit from Tom Cruise in this movie. This is fucking Tom Cruise. Like, everybody does... I think everybody does good in the movie. But Tom Cruise, his fucking Lestat, was out of the This park. might be my favorite Tom Cruise acting performance. Yeah, it was really... Because like, he, it was great. He, he acted the shit out of this movie. All right, go ahead. Uh, Daniel, yeah, do you love, have any thoughts? I love this uh, movie, too. That's a very good movie. Because uh, for 1994, it was a struggle for me. Because uh, there's there were some really good movies that I remembered watching, but my mom was a Anne Rice fan, so she had read yeah your mom's yeah she she loved Anne Rice yeah so uh, she you know whenever that came out we immediately watched it but I remember liking it and at the time I was a fan of vampire movies you know what I mean so I really yeah. loved mm-hmm. it. well and you know what else I liked about it because va- vampire movies always seem hard to do for whatever reason maybe because it's all the rules and shit like that when you try to make them as like a traditional horror movie. I'm sure we'll talk about it sometime, some other vampire movies. There's vampire movies we love, but there's a lot of shitty vampire movies. But Interview with the Vampire wasn't traditional horror, the way it was filmed, you know? It was... No, it's gothic romantic. Yeah, just with a set piece of vampires, or not set piece, but with the mm-hmm. backdrop of vampires and vampire society. A backdrop of New Orleans, which is beautiful. Yeah. Mind and so, you. And so you, instead of focusing on all these cliches or whatever, you just got a really good story that just happened to be about vampires. Yeah, and then they incorporate like the vampire stuff into it, you know, like when they try to kill a stat and all these different things. Number four for me was Clerks, so we'll move on to number three. I have Quiz Show. I've uh, seen that. Ah, uh, you know, Josh does his um, obligatory blind spots. Uh, this and Ed Wood is in my blind spots. I so, have not seen uh, either of these movies. So Quiz, Quiz Show is based on a true story. Yeah, yeah, it's based on. A quiz show. I can't remember the name of the show, but John Turturro's character like was the reigning champion, and the ratings are starting to go down in the show. So they plot against him to have him removed from the show, and they feed Ray Fine's character's answers. You know, he becomes like an overnight sensation, and then John Turturro's character, you know, brings the whole thing down. And like I said, and then in real life, and that's how it happened. But it turns out in real life, both of them were cheating because he was fed answers also. But it's just a good movie, and it's like. Like an odd subject to do it on. It was like, hey, we're just going to do this movie about this quiz show cheating corruption. scandal. Yeah. <laughs> corruption in the game shows. Yeah. But, dude, it was, and like everybody in the movie was so good. It was a good movie. That's a Robert Redford movie. Directed it. Yeah. Was it? I, didn't even, yeah. I didn't even look at that. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, and it took a while for me to see it. Like, it was relatively recently. But, yeah, it's, like, it's, uh, it's a good movie. I'd recommend watching it. Number two was Pulp Fiction for me. It's That's, good. Yeah. And then number one. Is Ed Wood? Yeah, is Ed Wood? Josh, I yeah. haven't nice. seen that. I love yep. Ed Wood, man. A lot of people consider it to be Burton's best. Yeah, it's. I just I love the movie. I've seen it multiple times. Um, 
you know, Johnny Depp playing Ed Wood. I think you had George Animal still playing a character. I can't remember who played fucking Bella Lugosi in the movie. And was it not George Animal Steel? No, George Animal Steel played a character named Tor, I think. You know, Ed Wood is just, it's about the story of him making Plan 9 from outer space and everything that went into it. And it's just a really fucking entertaining movie. Johnny Depp does a good job. Like, everybody in the movie does a good job. But, yeah, Johnny Depp, uh, I can't remember what he's coming off at that point, you know, but I think this is one of those roles where you start taking him a little more serious as an actor. Because I think he's, I I don't know what he did, like, right before that. And I know he had other roles like Woodsy and Gilbert Grape and stuff like that. But, you know, he also did, like, 21 Jump Street. He did some other shit. Well, this is when he started to become Tim Burton's guy. Yeah. and He he had followed it up with, he he did Edward Scissorhands, Ed Wood, and now they're 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 married. Yeah, because yeah. they end up going doing what uh, Sleepy Hollow and uh, Sweeney Todd. Everything, everything that Tim Burton does now. And I'd never you know. seen Plan Nine from Outer Space. I'd never even heard of the movie. Yeah, but like after I watched Ed Wood, I'm like, oh, I gotta go watch this movie. You know, I know it's supposed to be horrible, but this fucking movie about Ed Wood made me want to see it. And then I watched it. And Plan Nine from Outer Space is it's bad. Is it the worst movie in history? Probably not. There's other movies that are worse. Dude, I just watched Samurai Cop today uh, on Twitch. I've never seen Samurai Cop. Whew. Yeah. That is a a beautifully bad movie. That movie, we can make a movie, guys, with the budget we have in our bank account. Just watching that movie. You need to watch Uh, things. I think uh, before you say something, though, the the other thing that, like, when you watch Ed Wood, it's like when he films the scene, he's just like, all right, cut it. It's perfect. Let's go. <laughs> I was like, don't even want to look at uh, it. Just just rolls with it. Yeah, that's dude, like dude. Roger. He was Roger Corman before Roger Corman. Well, and and like I said, when you watch Plan Nine, if you watch Plan Nine after you watch Ed Wood, you see all the things they talked about in the movie. Like I think it was Bella Lugosi's character that was struggling with like the octopus and things like that. And then they film a scene in the graveyard, and it's like nighttime. And then they film a scene over here, and it's supposed to be like the same time, but it's daylight. And shit like <laughs> just, that. It's man, right. yeah, it's so crazy. But yeah, Ed Wood was my number one movie in 1984. So okay, well, leaves you, yeah, yeah, it leaves me. And <clears throat> I got two movies that I want to mention. That's uh, on on the peripheral. Hold on, of my now, top well, five. Well, if we're doing honorable mentions, let's do it after we do our top five. No, okay, I guess honorable mentions that didn't make it. Um, so you you don't want me to list the movies that didn't. Not yet. Because I got I got movie. Okay, my top five, tied for five is Clerks and Interview with a Vampire. Now, honestly, Interview with a Vampire would probably get the nod uh, if I had to pick, but I can't deny Clerks. Clerks is, uh, you know, it really put this in Pulp Fiction, put independent filmmaking on the map, and it's a dialogue-driven movie, and I'm a sucker for that. Uh, interview with a vampire, like we said earlier, it's fucking Tom Cruise, kind of. I mean, to me, at his peak, taking a chance, and it's just movie stars being movie stars. Brad Pitt, fucking Tom Cruise. You know, we talked about Antonio Banderas, Kirsten Dunst. Uh, really, nothing left to be said. Number four has not been said, and to me, it is the second or third. Funniest movie of the '90s, and it's Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, Dumb and Dumber movie. is a classic. Yes, classic. Uh, 
you want to talk about quotable, like Pulp Fiction? This is quotable. Uh, this is, and I'm not even a Jim Carrey guy at all. I actually, I tend to sway more negative towards well, then, him. Then why the fuck are you sending me letters on Jim Carrey stationery? Well, Busted. yeah. Ooh. Okay. This is awkward. I got those really cheap <laughs> on a uh, Chinese website. Wish. Uh. Wish. <laughs> this is the second episode we've mentioned Wish. Yeah, no, right? Is it really? No. Yeah. Not with me. Not, Not with me on it. Me and no. Daniel and Courtney talked about Wish. You got to re- okay. reread those stationaries. They say Jim Curry. <laughs> Jim Curry. I, I thought I was buying a James Cagney stationery, honestly. Um, okay, so Dumb and Dumber. Number four. Does anybody have anything to add about the brilliance of the Farrelly Brothers movie with Jeff Daniels and fucking Jim Carrey. The great Jeff Daniels. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's hilarious. Yeah. It really is. I mean, the shit. I was thinking about, actually, what was I watching? And I saw this guy. Um, Kevin Costner, so you would know it, Bone. The Bodyguard. The Bodyguard was on yesterday. And, uh... The guy that has the gas, the gas man—I can't remember his name. I didn't watch name. the Bodyguard. It had Kevin Costner. Oh yeah, in yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the guy uh, that they gave famous the character to actor Mike. Yeah, yeah, that guy was in the Bodyguard. He reminded me of that scene. Whenever my pills, pills are good. Pills are good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, uh, it's it's one of the most quotable movies. Um, I'm. I'm not a huge fan of it, so I have no comment. Next. Well, you can comment negatively. I mean, I have nothing negative to say about it. I mean, it's you know, it's just not. I'm just not a big fan of it. Yeah. Moving on. Way to bring us down. <laughs> yeah. Way to not add anything to the conversation, eh, well. Mister Neutral. Yeah. I don't have anything negative or positive to say. Jesus. I'm feeling very beige. Yeah. <laughs> if I die, I tell my wife I said hello. Uh, number three is The Professional. We've already talked about it. Luke Besson, his magnum opus. Number two is uh, 1994's Darling. It's Pulp Fiction. It's, oh, yeah. You got anything negative what? to say about that, Bone? Well, knows my number two also. I mean, you're the one that hated it the most. Where you had it, what number three? I had to adjust. You to motherfucker, Shank. I had to adjust to make Shank 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 Shaw Redemption number one for Josh. <laughs> <laughs> and Whatever. I was like, all right, movies already did number one with Shaw Shank right out the gate. Okay, look before I before I say my number one. Does anybody want to guess? Number one is Time Cop. Uh, Jesus. Uh, number one, Natural Born Killers. God, let it be Time Cop. Interesting. That would be funny if it was Time Cop. Just because he said he was a Van Damme head. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? He does love that Van Damme. Hey. <laughs> In 1994, he wasn't quite ready to let go of Van Damme, so he just loved Time Cop so much. Okay, number one. Look, look, I wrestled between two and one, and then eventually... It came down to um, pretty much, let, let's talk about Pulp Fiction and the scene with Bruce Willis and his girlfriend. That's my least favorite part of any Tarantino movie. 
I'm just waiting for you to announce Van Damme and his mullet in Time Cop as being number one. All right. Yeah, it does seem like that was a little bit of a lull in the movie. Because so much shit's going on. So much shit's interesting. That is a little bit of a lull. It 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 kind of brings the movie to a halt, and um, it doesn't pick back up till Bruce Willis starts throwing shit around the room. Yeah, once he's you like, "God damn, father's yes." Yeah. So when I thought about that, and when I when I was debating on what my number one would be, it it came down to, you know, where does that Pulp Fiction scene drag it down to? And is there any scenes in my number one that are as bad as that? And it, the question was, no. So number one for me is Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah. Forrest Gump was like, yeah. Hands down. And I know the, the contrarians now want to say Forrest Gump is a, is a boomer masturbatory movie. And they hate on it. Uh, the new thing is to hate on Forrest Gump, and I don't. I don't get that. Um, I'm. I'm not a part of that crowd. And Forrest Gump, outside of the music cues, which are way too fucking on the nose, when you know the, when you play Jackson Brown running on empty while Forrest is running. Okay, it gets a little. Okay, what are we doing? But that the entire movie to me is uh, it's it's honestly beautiful, and I know it's it's not the most popular thing to say right now. And on top of that, I relate to Forrest Gump uh, on a personal level. Uh, number one, we're from the South. Number two, we more than likely read on the same level. It's a great <laughs> great level. Most and number. Th- most likely. And number three, do you remember when Forrest Gump tells Jenny, um, I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is? Yeah. Uh, um, I probably said that to my first four girlfriends that roundly rejected me. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately after you quoted Forrest Immediately. Gump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, I know we have to see that band tonight, but I think I'm look, calling it. Right ev- eventually, yeah. he just cut the quote down for, to, uh, you know, I'm not a smart man. <laughs> But look, look, Forrest Gump was so thirsty for Jenny. You oh, know, yeah, he loved her. And, you know, and I've, you know, my first four girlfriends, oh my God, like it's just embarrassing uh, on so many levels. First four or five, we could, yeah, maybe I go to a second hand when I'm counting. Maybe, I don't know. But they never fucked me and then left. Usually when I when I told him I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is, they usually pretty much ghosted me after that. <laughs> but <laughs> but I think you know I I think it's Zemeckis's best movie, including Back to the Future and Roger Rabbit, which I love. Uh, yeah, you know that scene. You know you want to talk about Tom Cruise acting his heart out. You want to talk about Gary Oldman. When when Tom Hanks says goodbye to Jenny at that graveyard and he's talking about Forrest, uh, I might get emotional now talking about it, just my headspace. And um, he's talking about uh, he's talking to Jenny and he's talking about you know what Forrest is doing in school. Oh yeah, uh, that's that's powerful. 
uh, filmmaking. You know what? And the people who say that you know it's it's a it's it's a boomer movie. Um, yeah. Okay. So boomers can't make movies now. You know what gets me that you like, enjoy that since you brought that up, right? And I thought about saving this for a hill to die on at some point, but we'll just bring it up now because it's not my hill to die on today. I have a different one, but like you want to go back and critique a movie like Forrest Gump and, and poke holes in it and talk about how bad it is and stuff like that. Yet literally every movie that comes out now is all critically acclaimed. And I've, and I've watched these movies that come out and they're not that good. Like it's, you're afraid to critique a new movie but you'll go back and try to have revisionist theories, revisionist history with a movie like Forrest Gump. Like, hey, let's go shit on this movie. Let's all have a good time and fucking shit on Forrest Gump. Ah. But then whatever the new thing is that comes out, it's like, ah, oh, critics agree. And they show you the Rotten Tomato score or whatever. And it's all like 99, like 99% of the critics love this movie. And then three months later, can't nobody even tell you the fucking name of the movie. Yep. And it's funny as hell, man, because it's like, uh... Half these motherfuckers that are talking shit about Forrest Gump probably ain't even seen it. They're just jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah. And it's like, whatever. But I love Forrest Gump. It's like an adventure. You're going on an adventure through life with Forrest. And yes, he's getting into a lot of shit. And you kind of just kind of just got to have fun with him on the ride. You know? Yeah. I like Forrest Gump. And you get like, well, to me. pure soul. Yeah, I like him. And you got Tom Hanks like in like his fucking run right there. Forrest Gump, Philadelphia, Castaway. And just like everything he was doing at that point was fucking just solid. Yeah. Like, well, you couldn't solid. touch him. Great. They were great performances. No. And, and maybe he should have got like three Oscars in a row. I, he didn't get one for Castaway, did he? He got it for Philadelphia and Forrest Gump, right? Yeah. He won back to back. Yeah. And, and um, then, you know, I don't remember what came out the same year as Castaway, but I remember really enjoying Castaway and then like his performance in that movie. Yeah, you know when I when I when I talk about Zemeckis, yeah, I mean mm, Zemeckis, he had a oof, like you talk about Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Forrest Gump, and um, Castaway. Uh, he also did like Death Becomes or In Between, which is a is a fun movie. But I, 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 I saw don't know, that in the theater actually. Yeah, we watched that a couple hitches ago or a couple times a couple months ago. It, 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 does it hold up? I haven't seen it. It's, oh, been, it's a, been a very long time. It's, it's still silly. It's been a long time it. since I've seen it. I just remember I went to the theater to see that instead of Encino Man. And somebody's like, oh, you saw this instead of Encino Man? And I was like, and, what and the I, fuck part, were you thinking, Bo? Part of the reason I saw, well, have you seen Encino Man recently? Um, Not recently, but back then? What <laughs> man, the all you care about thinking? is nugs and grindage, the, Daniel. The That's thing, all you care about, man. The best thing about Encino Man was... You're invited, but your friend can't come. But anyways, like Death Becomes Her, the, part of the reason I went to see that, though, was because whatever year old I was, me, had like a crush on Goldie Hawn. Because it seemed oh, like yeah. Bird on a Wire, oh, Overboard. Yeah. And like Bird on a Wire had the scene when they were going up the ladder and her Oh, yeah, and you flared. saw the birthmark on her. Oh, yeah. Look, Bird on a Wire is a guilty pleasure. Yeah. I'll, I'll fucking stand for Bird on a Wire so and I Overboard. Like, I love both those movies. Yeah, and I was like, Dude, I got to go see this fucking movie. That becomes yeah, her. You, and speaking of Bruce Willis, what was he doing in between? You know, he did. Death becomes her. But yeah, Forrest Gump, number one. It's 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 number one with a bullet, actually, uh, for me. Because 
every scene I'm invested in. I remember the first time I watched it when it came, uh, when it came to like rental, and I and I watched it, you know, by myself, and I was I can't do math. We've already established that I was it's true. I was nine in 1994. I think, yeah, I was nine. Uh, you were 11, <laughs> <Josh>. <laughs> and I watched it, and I, yeah, I was 11, and I remember when when Bubba died, and you know, as an 11 year old, and having like Forrest's best friend Don, it wasn't Jenny's storyline that affected me later on in life. Yeah, I'm like, oh, why is he think why is he thinking about Jenny while he's running through Utah? I'm like, I'd be thinking about my best friend Bubba, and as you get older, you know, it just you know, and I was talking about the scene where he says goodbye to Jenny at the uh, at the gravesite. Also, the scene where Jenny tells him, you know, Forrest, you're his daddy. And Tom Hanks is like, well, is he um, yeah. like me? And he's starting to cry. I mean, that's, you're not getting that from fucking, uh, that's beautiful. That's fucking art, man. Yeah. It's art. You, you know what else Forrest Gump gave us? Uh, or, well, gave me. Because there was another Hepatitis? movie. Came, <laughs> there was another movie that came out this year. It was a made-for-TV movie, but it introduced me to Gary Sinise, Forrest Gump, and The Stand. <laughs> like that was that was like my first time I'd ever seen like Gary Sinise. You know, and it's like two completely different roles. I like The Stand, and then, you know, and I like Forrest Gump. You know, now The Stand's not a good. <laughs> no, you know that too. Yeah, but you know, whatever year old me at that time, you know, watching it, I was into it. But yeah, it was like the first time I'd ever like seen Gary Sinise in anything. And then, you know, like in Forrest Gump, man, he was so fucking cranky, you know? Like, uh, dude, it, it got his, his band, goddamn legs. Yeah, he was definitely a little cranky after losing those suckers. His band now is called Lieutenant Dan's Band. And he's, he's like for veterans, man. It, it like, it, when Forrest Gump is, is, you know, has created like just this great outreach program as well. Let's move on to albums. Well, because... no, let's, hit, let's hit a couple honorable mentions real quick. Let's not talk about them. Let's yes, just mention them. Yes, yes, yes. So, Daniel, where where are you going, baby doll? I need yeah. to see your face before I start talking. <laughs> I'm not going nowhere, buddy. Well, don't I'm get too standing. far. Don't get too far away from your mic. You get low. All right. So, honorable mentions. Um, who wants to yeah. go? Yeah. I'll go first. Honorable mention for me is only going to be two. No, three. Three that weren't mentioned. Uh, The Lion King. Like I said before, I'm nine. I love that. I I still like The Lion King. I never watched the remake, but I like the original. Uh, But Natural Born Killers, which I thought was going to be Josh's number one. Uh, But um, it didn't make my top five, but it's got to be something worth mentioning. And uh, Speed. I did love that movie, but wasn't gonna make the top five. All oh, right. What about you for your honorable mentions? So we've already talked about the crow. It was on my honorable mentions. I guess just two of them. So one of them is Time Cop. Actually, I know I was joking about time, Josh picking Time Cop as number one, but I yeah. enjoy Time Cop. Time Cop is a fun movie, and this is like a. And I don't know how many people have seen this movie, and maybe it's like a deep cut. Okay, this as, might be one of mine. As far as uh, I don't think so. As a honorable mention, but it's no. a movie, Fear of a Black Cat. No, you're you, right. No, I don't. If I don't you've know never that. seen it, dude, so it's in the vein of like this is Spinal Tap. 
it's a mockumentary, but it follows a rap group, NWH. Uh, you know the first word, and then it's with yeah. hats. And it's just like, they're fucking, it's like a parody of like the whole scene. Like, they have a, a Vanilla Ice type character, who's Vanilla Sherbert. Wow. Uh, the, the I've never heard of this. It's, God, it was so fucking good. The characters all go on their own, like, separate careers. At one point, they go solo, and one of the characters releases a song called Pet That Pussy. And it's and they're like, well, isn't this like a, a sexist song? He's like, no, no, no. Pussy doesn't stand for like, you know, vagina. It's like political unrest stabilizes society, yes. And it takes a shot at you remember oh god, I can't remember which music video it was, but it showed like this little thin attractive girl singing, and it turns out it was actually a heavier set lady singing. Well Blues Traveler did something like that. It wasn't Blues Traveler though. No, it was uh oh my god, I wish I could remember which video it was. But yeah, they do a little video they the guy has a video, and it's like this little skinny Asian girl, and she's going, that pussy! And then it turns out it's like a heavyset black lady that's actually singing it. Like, it's such a good movie. It's so fucking hilarious, man. I'd recommend it to anybody if you haven't seen it. Repeat it for the listeners. Fear of a Black Cat. That's funny. NWA. NWH. No. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. yeah. And Public Enemy, Fear of a Black Planet. Uh, okay, uh, I guess we probably need to speed this up. I'll say, uh, I'll say three movies that it's No Escape, which I think needs to be mentioned, with Ray Liotta and Lance Henriksen. It's just a great 90s movie. Uh, everybody should check it out. Maverick, I think it's underrated. It's fuck. With Mel Gibson, James Gardner, Jodie Foster. Um, it's, it's just a good romp. Uh, and Clifford, I go to bat for Clifford with Martin Short and Charles Grodin. R.I.P. Oh my God, I remember that. <laughs> uh, I love Clifford, and the two that were that just did not make the cut was uh, the Hudsucker Proxy, Coen Brothers movie with Tim Robbins, yeah. um, about Tim Robbins working in a toy company, and then the the movie that just didn't make it but almost made it for me. Daniel, you will appreciate this. I love this movie. I think it's original. I think it's, um, how do I put this? I think it's uh, it's just a... um, God damn it, can you just say Tom Cop? (laughs) Every time you say, oh, he has to edit it, you're breaking his soul down little by little. (laughs) You are. He's like, God damn it, just say Tom Cop. <laughs> you need to hire an editor. Uh, it's you're pushing me to that a, point. <laughs> it's <laughs> God damn it! I'm trying to come up with words, and now you're making me. Uh, God damn it! Fuck it! Fuck it! No adjectives. It's Cabin Boy. Oh my god! I forgot Cabin Boy came out in '94. I love that fucking movie, man. Dude, god, Cabin so Boy funny. is the most Tim Burton, non-Tim Burton movie. Yeah, I know, right? It's hilarious. It's got a David Letterman fucking role in there. It's it's bananas, and it's amazing. Cabin Boy would have been my number five, maybe in any other year. I love Cabin Boy. All right. Fantastic talk on movies. Let's move on to albums. I'll okay. go first, then Josh will go, then we'll let Daniel go. Okay. All right. Fucking asshole. Fucking asshole. Trying to speed it up for Daniel, man. 
So here we go. <laughs> my, for everybody. My top five. Number five, I got Purple by Stone Temple Pilots. Love that album. Number four, I've got Jar Flies. Number three, I've got Weezer, the blue album. Number two, I've got Wildflowers. And number one, I've got Vitology. Well, Wildflowers, uh, I'm sorry, let me name the bands. Uh, number four is Jar Flies by Alice in Chains. Sorry. Number three, like I said, is the blue album by Weezer. Number two is Wildflowers by Tom Petty, solo effort. And number one is Vitology by Pearl Jam. Uh, in 1984 was a tough fucking year to figure out albums. It really was. Because I've got some on here. Like, there were some other great albums that come out that didn't get mentioned. Uh, Megadeth had Euthanasia. I love that album. R.E.M. had Monster. That's a great album. Um, Live had Throwing Copper. You know, but they didn't make my list. Those are the five. You know, we've, we've talked about it. We had our grunge episode, and we talked about the band's and anybody listening to that knows that me and Josh both said, well, me, Josh, and Mitchell all had Pearl Jam as the number one band coming out of Seattle. And Vitology is my personal favorite Pearl Jam album. So, yeah, and Wildflowers is a great fucking album. And when we get to songs, I'll talk about it because I do have one, one song on there. Um, the Blue album by Weezer, though, not my favorite Weezer album, but, like, it's it's right there. It's like a close second. Pinkerton would be my favorite Weezer album, but man, that Blue album was so good and it had so many good songs on it. And not just like any one song where you're like, wow, that's, a, you know, the best song I've ever heard, but they were all just really fucking good. Like, there's not a bad cut on that album. And then number four was Jar of Flies by Alice in Chains, which was a departure from what we've seen with Facelift, what we've seen with Dirt. It was more drawn back. And I think all the songs have been kind of personal when you listen to Alice in Chains, especially with like Dirt. And like the addiction and stuff like that. But when you listen to Jar of Flies and it's not like this like heavy sludge like metal and it's more acoustic, it's such a beautiful album. And I know it's an EP, but I still fucking count it. And then Stone Temple Pilots Purple was, you know, as much as like people like gave core shit for being like a generic whatever ripoff, like Purple, man, was just such a fucking. And you could see like Stone Temple Pilots kind of coming into their own. And starting to do their own thing. And it's my favorite Stone Temple Pilots album. It's, and then it did, and it had a song on the Crow soundtrack when you mentioned it earlier, Josh. And you were talking about like one of the better soundtracks. And it had Big Empty on there. And I love that song. Um, yeah, it's just those are my five. Okay. It's a good five. Yeah. A few of them mine, a few of mine, a few of them landed on my list as well. Yeah. And uh, I just want to, sort of preface it this I, I was telling bone earlier that uh josh has a top the, 30 well my albums that i picked um i didn't pick the songs that came off that album um because 94 was sneakily a pretty good year in music so these albums that i listed they're not going to be the songs aren't going to be listed in my in my song list number five is uh bone creeping on a come up uh it 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 was the the sort of appetizer to bone eternal east 1999 and i think it's 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 just it's even more raw and even more um hard than eternal east 1999 and I, and i like bone i like bone a lot bone thugs in harmony 
Number four is Pavement, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. It's one of these bands that I did not get into until way later in life. And there's certain bands that just, when you come from Mississippi, there are just certain things that just fly by Mississippi. Just, hello, goodbye. And a lot of that West Coast indie alternative scene just did not make it down the pipeline. And Pavement is one of those bands to where it's like, God damn, I wish I wasn't near my 40s before I got into them. Um, number three is Pantera, Far Beyond Driven. Um, we, that come out of left field. It yeah. did. No, I actually, I mean, I, I like Pantera, like some Pantera. Nah, it just, I, it I've been listening to a lot of Pantera. No, look, you know, and on our website, uh, we've, and I haven't yet, but we've we've covered Megadeth. So I've I've been listening to a lot of thrash metal and when I think of metal in general, like it's Metallica Slayer. And who who's right after that? It's Slayer. And I think this is their best album. And it fucking hits, man. And it's 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 visceral and it's it's unforgiving and it's beautiful. You know, we talked about Painter one time. Beautiful a lot. We um, Pantera is like that one band that just kept getting heavier. Like other bands mm-hmm. would dip, right? Because Megadeth did it, Metallica did it, and you would see these bands kind of venture into this almost like in the nineties in this alternative space. But Pantera is like, no, nah, we've got to go fucking heavier and harder than we yeah. were previously. And far beyond driven, man. They they they. Um... Which songs were on there? I'm. I don't know all the I songs. think it's like five minutes alone. Okay, that's what I was thinking of, like five minutes alone, yeah. But Be- becoming. Yeah, that was a good song. Um man, it the whole album just it hits. And uh, number two is Vitology. Um you'll never be number one ever with bugs and hey foxy <laughs> mop handle mama. <laughs> um and there's another one on there. It's like fuck you, Pearl Jam. Like you <laughs> fuck you honest to god like there are certain songs on there that are just unforgivable like what are you doing uh but jesus christ you you take out those three songs and this would be number one um corduroy as you'll mention later bone uh better man nothing man tremor christ which is um one of my favorite that, pearl jam songs that's my se- second favorite song on the album tremor christ i love that song yeah, behind Corduroy, I agree with you. Number one's Weezer Blue album. Uh, you know, I'm a sucker for great debuts. Yeah. And if Jenny was a friend of mine for the Killers Hot Fuss and... That's my favorite. The Strokes. Killer song. But the Weezer opening up their debut album with My Name is Jonas, I can't think of anything better. Yeah. And, you know, the Weezer... We this this album might have been the start, the the very uh, creation of making being a nerd cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is nerd alternative. Well, rock and he and, yeah, and then that song in the garage, man. Like he mentions like oh, nerd yeah, yeah, yeah. shit. Like I got my Dungeons Masters Dungeons Masters guide. I've got Twenty Sided Die. Yeah, he also mentions having a kiss poster, which yeah, Ace really takes away I've from got it. Peter yeah. Chris. yeah, that's weak sauce. But 
That but, Weezer album, but there was a lot of kids like all killer, no time. filler, man. Yeah, I was gonna, yeah, and I was gonna say the same thing. All I was killer, actually no gonna filler, man. go back to what you said about the Killers and our sophomore albums. Was you're exactly right, man. That Weezer album, top to bottom, and oh. none of their songs made my top five songs. What's your but, favorite off that album? Well, and I struggled with it, man, because there's so many. Like, I like the world has turned and left me here. I like my name is Jonas, man. I like the sweater song just for memories of that. Like we used to. When we went on these church trips in our youth group, when you know I did things like that, like me and another guy would sing the sweater song on the the van when we was riding the van, like, and we would just annoy people with it, like, um, you know, everybody loves saying so, obviously, but and I like the song too, but you just when once you get past the singles, and Suz- Suzanne from yeah, Mallrats, yeah, it was like a B side, right? B side. I mean, and, fucking, and I'll say this too, man, like, didn't even fit it on there. We didn't even. It wasn't one of our categories, but Weezer had the best video, and that was fucking Buddy Holly. Oh, it was groundbreaking. When yeah, groundbreaking. When Spike Jones. I think it was Spike Jones, right? And they did the. No, fucking, I'm sure. Yeah, they did the Happy Days set, and they had the Fonz dancing and stuff. Oh. Dude, yeah, like they that album, Happy Days episode. Yeah. What about you, Daniel? What What would you say your favorite song off Blue album is? Um, I would say it would be uh. Buddy Holly, like I'm looking back because I guess that I don't know. Maybe I burned out. Uh, say it ain't so. I think that's sure. that does happen because that song gets played a lot. It does, but it's a great song. It so is. I think that right. My now, name is Jonas. Me. Is oh yeah, that was up there with like yeah. My name is Jonas. Is fucking uh, amazing. When they when they break into the harmonica at the end of the song, it's like what are you? Bring it in her. It's, it's amazing. Okay, Daniel. Top five, babe. Uh, like y'all covered a few of them. Um, the Shawshank Redemption soundtrack. Exactly. <laughs> no, my uh, number five, I wanted to throw it on there. I actually brought this up um, at some point. But uh, Cracked Rear View. Because like I said, that was my first, first album I ever bought. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I'm putting that as the, my number five, you know, let her cry, hold my hand, you know, the jams. Um, no, there's so was, many jams. Off oh, that yeah. album. My number four is uh Bush 16 stone. We are, I'm not even be doing it being funny. <laughs> I do like Bush and that a whole album is great. <laughs> I go, Bone, can you cut that? <laughs> what, are you laughing at him? No, no. Of bone of Daniel saying, I like Bush. <laughs> I do love it. <laughs> Just cut it. <laughs> Just play it. But um but yeah. Uh number three is the Weezer Blue album. Number two is Pearl Jam Vitology. Like I said, y'all covered those. And number one, I know is unfair because it's a live album, meaning y'all know exactly what I'm about to yeah. say. But um but it's just so perfect. It trapped it's. It, I don't know if that doesn't count. We didn't talk about rules. It doesn't. But huh? It doesn't. Well, it does make, for me. I'm making an executive decision right now. <laughs> no, I, it does I know for what me. you're talking about, and I excluded it from mine just because it was a live album. I was like, no, nah, I can't. Yeah, but my thing is, is like, because I, I I struggled with it because it captured a moment in time. Like it's yeah. magical watching that shit. But my number five, yeah, figured it Tony out. Tony Bennett's unplugged. Holy shit. <laughs> Exactly. It's like I'm already, it's like I'm right there. <laughs> but Nirvana unplugged in New York. That is a great, great album. 
Like I said, I struggled with putting it in the list because it's live. It's nothing. It's not new material. But man, it is really good. But I don't have to tell you that. Yeah, I, and so it's I, funny because even my honorable mentions, you guys pretty much um, brought up a few of them. Actually, like three of them were on y'all's lists. But uh, I also had uh, definitely maybe <clears throat> by Oasis and uh, Super Unknown by Soundgarden. See, I didn't have Super Unknown. Much- Super Unknown for me is it has some really good songs, but then it just has some filler. And like all the albums on mine, my list for me, anyways, I could listen front to back and just be like, good. You know, Super Unknown's not that album for me. Yeah. One of the songs on there is on my top five, but yeah. Um, and as far as like Nirvana's Unplugged goes, I excluded it from my list. For me, when I did my top five albums, it had to be put like a rule in place for no live albums because I wanted it to be new material that was produced, right? Not existing shit. So that's, like, I like the Unplugged album. I really do. But that's why I didn't, none of the live albums that came out that year, no matter how much I liked any of them, would have been up for, that could be a topic for another time, maybe a topic for the website. You know, when we do our top fives, we could do like top five live albums or oh, something like that'd that. that'd be a good one. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a very good one. And we'll have to exclude like the thirty-five thousand live Pearl Jam albums, and, and narrow it down to like here's your choices from these. Yeah, you can only choose one per decade for Pearl Jam. But um, so songs. Okay, I'll. You want me to start this off since I got ten, and I'll and I'll I'll run through this rough shot. You got ten songs. I I, I did ten. Now y'all he, can have five. He just. I just. He I makes up rules. And then fucking changes them and doesn't tell us. I play Calvin Ball. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, if y'all can't keep up, you know. I think that I'm going to go first. <laughs> go ahead. All right. My top five. All right. I have number five, Got Me Wrong, Allison Chains. I don't have to say what albums he come off of. We just talked about these albums. But this wasn't on my list. I mean, so it did just coincide. Co- Which uh, album was it on? What? I don't think that was on a 1994 album. Got me wrong. Was not on Jar of Flies. We can't even fucking trust Daniel Josh. Fuck me. This guy's just writing shit down. No, man. <laughs> I, w- I looked at fucking albums on the charts in 1994. Not albums, songs on the charts. So it must have been from the other one. It was just still now, on the charts. Got me wrong was off of a sound. It was on a soundtrack. It might have been like Reality Bites. Oh, something. was that not in 1994? I think Reality Bites was 1994. I don't know if the song oh, was on so the soundtrack. Oh, so it is a 1994 song. It may Allison be. Chains. Okay, so this whole thing's bullshit, and you trying to make me look like an ass. I, I just said I don't know. I don't know what's on your Reality Bites soundtrack. I'm about to look it up while you're talking, though, so keep fucking going. I wasn't sure what album it came off of. I'm looking at a list of songs. But yeah, Black Hole Sun, Soundgarden. Still love that song to that till today. I haven't burned that one up yet, which you think that people would by now, but man, I love Chris Cornell's voice. He is was rest in peace a fucking his voice was amazing big empty it was on that soundtrack that's another soundtrack uh song is that okay bone yeah that is because it also was on purple (laughs) i know i was just fucking with you talking about it being on the crew corduroy by pearl jam and finally for number one you don't know how it feels tom petty i didn't have his album on there because i had other shit i had to put on my list of albums so i wanted to give him a wink and a uh uh, a pinch and a tickle on my top five songs josh 
Oh, it was, uh, right, Got Me Wrong was on Clerks. That's what the soundtrack was on. But the song actually came out in 1992. It was on SAP. Yeah. The EP. Uh, okay, I'll run through this. Thanks for fact-checking that for me. I think that we just need to talk, tell each other our entire goddamn lists. So it's like, <laughs> hey, wait, no. That's not correct. No, then we, we miss out on these moments? Yeah, I know. Go ahead, right, Josh. Uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, number 10, Lunchbox by Marilyn Manson. It sort of, you know, Portrait of American Family is kind of a hit or miss album, but there's a there's a few bangers on there. And Lunchbox, to me, is <clears throat> hits a sweet spot. Number nine is I'll Stand By You by The Pretenders, which surprised the fuck out of me that that song came out in 1994. I thought that was uh, Pretenders' earlier hit. But and it's it's just a great ballad. It's one of the better ballads you're going to hear out of the '90s. Number eight is "Regulate" by Warren G. That's the that, first one I've heard of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number six is "Sabotage" by Beastie Boys. Um, Fucking Star movies, Trek trilogy ruined that for me. Yeah, mo- mo- yeah, Star Trek sort of ruined it. It's still just uh, you talk about it. A song that gets your dick hard. Uh, number seven is No Excuses by Alice in Chains. Personally, one of my favorite Alice in Chains songs. Um, it, it'll always hold up. I don't know. To me, it feels... Staley wrote a lot of personal songs. This one is no exception. Number five is Interstate Love Song. I think it's STP's best song. Um, the, there's... Just a a radio quality to it that is accessible, but also STP fans and grunge fans can love it because it's kind of slow. Uh, uh, now we get down to my top four, and these top four, man, you know, these are fucking hell, man. These are just I love these songs to death. Number four is Possum Kingdom by the Toadies, uh, a song I that forgot about that one, a song that. I'd heard was about Ted Bundy and I think that's been disputed, but when you listen to it and and you think of Ted Bundy and luring these girls, it's just, fuck, this is, this is alternative grunge, 1994, just hitting the nail on the head. Number three is hook by blues traveler. Oh man. That's my, I thought that was number five. Damn. This this is, this is one of the best pop songs of the nineties. I love that song. And this song is so great that he tells you throughout the song that it doesn't matter what he's singing. As long as the, the, the course is good, you will listen to it. It's a deconstruction of pop songs being a pop song. There's layers to this fucking song. And, and they all stink. Oh, you're not a fan? I am not a Blues Travelers fan, not in the slightest. Man, so if good. I see Blues Travelers come on, other channel. Well, you sir are missing out on some good shit because that that take of yours is hot trash. Maybe, but it's That's, my take. It, it hook. I'll say this is uh, I, I I said it a minute before. It's one of the best pop songs of the '90s. Period. <laughs> Number two, which I thought was going to be number one up until today when I made my final list, is Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley. 
Um, there's so many great renditions of Hallelujah, uh, yes. a Leonard Cohen song. And this one evokes more pain than normal. And it and it's a painful song. Um, but speaking of pain, my number one song that I've never had a song that brought me melancholy and happiness at the same time. And I made this list. I made this quick playlist today as we were cooking dinner. And I'm not going to go into um, personal things here. Uh, but we got to number one that I picked number one. And it, it this song that I'm going to say is, like I said earlier, it brings me sadness and happiness at the same time. And it's also a song that that invokes memories of people that I love, people that are gone. It's a song that I can see myself playing immediately after I send my daughter to her first day of college. It's, it's one of my favorite songs of all time, and it's Wildflowers by Tom Petty. Um, maybe my favorite Tom Petty song. Um, you don't get to pick that song. That's on my list, you piece of shit. Uh, it's number one on mine. No, number one on your list is Cloud. Wait, which one? Cloud. Cloud? Yeah, by uh, Sponge. Okay, which I'm sure Sponge has some pretty good songs. You've heard but, it. Yeah, it's on my honorable mentions. But it's Wildflowers by Tom Petty. And yeah. Good list. Hands down. All right. So since Josh took 30 minutes with his songs, I'm going to go through all my honorable mentions before I get into my top five songs. So honorable mention, every song on the Blue Album by Weezer. I don't even bother to list them all, but they're all fantastic. So I put rules in place for my songs, like I did my albums, and I limited it to one song per band. Otherwise, there would be two Pearl Jumps, two Pearl Jam songs in my top five. So uh, Nothing Man, Trimmer Christ, on my honorable mentions. Trimmer Christ, my fa- second favorite song on Vitology. We talked about R.E.M.'s Monster coming out that year. That's uh, that album was full of good songs. I don't know if you've ever listened to it. I'm sure y'all have. But you know, what's the frequency, Kenneth? That was on my that was on my list. Yeah, yeah, that's a good Cru- song. Crush with eyeliner. Yeah, you know, I love that's that song. Going. Yeah, uh, like I said, uh, actually, I was joking about it with Josh, but Plowed and Sixteen Candles or Molly yeah. by uh, Sponge. Good fucking songs. Interstate love song, Big Empty. I thought I knew it all. And Euthanasia by uh, Megadeth off that album. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I can tell you, I thought I knew it all. Was a seven point six <laughs> for me? <laughs> I, I haven't listed exactly. It's it's not the best song off the album, buddy. That's trying to consequences. God, you know that. Damn. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, you piece of shit. Fell on Black Days. That That is one of the better Soundgarden now. Yeah. Songs. Yeah. Yep. That's one. I was actually struggling between that one and uh, Black Hole Sun for my list. Selling the Drama. Like, that was the first live song I ever heard. And I still love it's that my song. my favorite live song. I, yeah, I love, me too. I love the way that song sounds. It's just so good. Like, I know people like Lightning Crashes. And Lightning Crashes, man, to me, is... It's not a bad song. It's a good song, but it's just a song. Like, Selling the Drama had a sound to it, right? But it didn't make my top five. 
So my top five. And Daniel, I'm surprised you ain't got one of these. It's a, number five is Vaseline. And I like Interstate Love Song, man. It's like I said, plowed or not plowed. Um, fuck. Purple is in my top five albums a year. Vaseline outside of Big Empty, which I heard on the Crow soundtrack, was the first song I heard off of Purple. And I am borrowed, I guess, a Josh phrase. I'm a sucker for like a good, like driving track, you know, that's really pushing the pace forward. And it gets you kind of pumped up, man. And Vaseline is that fucking song. It's like, I heard that. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be the fucking album. Number four, Starseed by Our Lady Peace. Yeah, there you go. Man, that's right. Because uh, what was it? What was their first album called? Naveed. 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 That came out in 94, didn't it? Yeah. And, and Naveed was a good song. And I think there's another yeah. song called Hope. But once again, Starseed, the first song I heard... And dude, that's such, that's one of my favorite Our Lady Peace songs. My favorite song would be In Repair. But yeah, that song. In Repair, I think, would be my favorite Our Lady Peace song as well. Yeah. It's very good. And that'd be my favorite album, would be Spiritual Machines. Happiness is Not the Fish, or Not a Fish, is probably one of my favorite albums. And it had, it had some good songs on there too. Yeah. Uh, number three for me was Black Hole Sun. You know, I, I thought Black Days at first, but then I'm just like, now, Black Hole Sun, man, is that song off the album. It's a song you can listen to anytime when it comes on. And you just hear it, and you're just like, all right, I'm done channel hopping. We'll fucking listen to Black Hole Sun. Such yeah. a good song. Beautiful and when it, voice. And when it first come out, I misunderstood the lyrics. And I remember this skit, like, on Wayne's World one time. They did, like, the whatever, like, misunderstood <laughs> song lyrics. And number one for them was Jimi Hendrix. And it was, like... Excuse me while I miss the sky or something like that. Yeah. And they had misheard it as excuse me while I kiss this guy. Yeah. So when I first heard Black Hole Sun, I thought it was Black Hawk Sun. And so I was you still singing sometimes? Yeah, you know, I, I, in my canon, that's how it goes. Yeah. So yeah, Black Hole Sun. Uh number two for me was Wildflowers. We I mean, I don't want to brag, you know, and just talk about how great I am, but here we go. Uh, Daniel, you were there, and I, Josh was supposed to be there, but things happened that didn't allow it to happen, but I, I think my wedding probably had the greatest soundtrack of all time, and, you know, we had the Flash Gordon theme for when the groomsmen and the bridesmaids came out, yep. we had Pearl Jam for when we did the, the sand pouring, and when Lizzie came down the aisle, it was Wildflowers. So yeah, that song, like for like Josh, for me too, it's got like an emotional connection. And then my favorite song of the year is one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs, and that's going to be Corduroy. And once again, it's just another up-tempo song, man. It just fucking kicks ass. Like yeah. when you listen to it, so, how can you not be excited? It's a lot like Rearview Mirror from the album prior. And it's just in terms a, of up tempo and yeah. lyrics, and, and it's just a fucking song about like when he saw like people were trying to sell like the clothes he was wearing, and they were trying to like the same type of clothes, and he saw like a corduroy jacket being sold for like an exorbitant amount of price, and he's like, "I paid like five bucks for this sh jacket or some shit." Yeah. yeah, it is such a good fucking song, man, and and it was one of and when we saw Pearl Jam in Memphis that one year. I hate that we didn't get Corduroy on the set list. There was other songs I wanted to hear that we didn't get, but that was my biggest one. You know, this is like, damn it, I wish we could have got that one. I don't think I've heard Corduroy. 
I don't, I, you know, just the few times I've heard them. I don't think I've heard Corduroy, which is insane because it's it's a hit by them on on that low key Pearl Jam spectrum. Yeah, Corduroy. I think I, out of those songs on Vitology, I think lyrically, I think Corduroy is probably the strongest. It's definitely a good um, one. Made my list. Oh, I I missed one of my no uh my fucking. Honorable mentions somehow. No excuses was on my honorable mentions, and and the majority of the songs on Jar Flies. I didn't think you liked No Excuses. No, I do honestly. I, I, and I, I, no, I like. I really like No Excuses. Like I like all the songs on the album, but I do like No Excuses. The Alice in Chains song that I'm not a big fan of was Heaven Beside You. That's it. That's it. Okay, yeah. I knew it was one of those. Yeah. No. Yeah, I yeah. love No Excuses, man. Like you talked okay. about before, yeah. like the way the song opens up. Like, and I made the joke in our text when I said, like, all right, guys, we got to have our top five drum beats also. Like, that, if we legitimately did that, like that opening to No Excuses. I mean, that drum intro, man, is, it's, it's great. We're also yeah, missing Zombie by Cranberries. Was that that year? Yep. Because yeah, I, I heard it on the radio the, today when I went to pick up my pizza before we did this. And I was sitting there, yeah. If I didn't know, I don't know how I missed it, but Zombie, yeah, that would have. I don't think Zombie would have made I mean, Zombie. It I, been, I have it, it written down. It would have been, my... been definitely an honorable mention, though. That was a good song. Um, For me, Linger would be closer to making a top five than Zombie, because I liked both of those songs, but I... I don't think like Linger, Linger was the same album. Zombie. Oh. The Cranberries, right. for me, are one of those I bands... I really need to change the way that I look at how my, uh, like, I look at my songs. You know what I do? <laughs> is I Google music 1994. No, yeah, just Wikipedia, man. No, it takes me, Wikipedia. Well, it, takes me it takes me to the Wikipedia page. I'm just saying, apparently Daniel's just Googling songs. No. With Googling no qualifiers. He's just like music. He's like, my favorite song from 1994 was Johann Sebastian Bach with whatever <clears throat> symphony. Well, you know, look, I I originally had this song in my list, and I had to double-check it because I, I wasn't feeling too confident about it. And I had to double-check it, and it turns out, like, I guess it had sort of made its presence felt in 94. But the album came out in 95. Um, Actually, and that was Zombie was 1993, too. Ooh. In your face, Josh. No, I'm oh. just saying. Like, yeah, I was wrong about that one. Oh. Um, but yeah, so not linger. Man, I don't know like how much y'all did on the TV subject. So we're going to talk about TV now. And <laughs> from what I understand, the person that put this fucking list together forgot to do TV. So I'm going to talk, talk about three things. And it's going to be fucking brief. Here's the three TV shows I remember from 1994 because I wasn't watching a lot of TV. That debuted... How do no, you do this? I do it based on just what was on and what I enjoyed. Not David. Okay. Seinfeld. Seinfeld was in his peak. The Simpsons. The Simpsons was in his peak. The Simpsons and then was money. there was a debut show that came out in 1994. And that was Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Oh, wow. That was in 94? Yep. I love Space Ghost Coast to Coast. So those are the three shows of 1994. Well, Josh didn't make a list, so here I go. For me, I'd do it, like we talked about before, when it came out, when it started. Like, when it originally. Yes, that's how I would have done it, yeah. 1994 produced this television show. Because that's the right way to do it. It is. (laughs) I have Duckman. 
with Jason Alexander. Nice. Um, Wasn't it USA? Yes. Yes. USA late at night. And then very closely because of that, The Tick. I've watched The Tick too. I liked that as well. And then you have the big one from 1994, Friends. Oh. Oh, yeah. I forgot forgot about Friends. I forgot about Friends because I remember ER came out also, I think. And ER did come out. That's another one. And this one is my last one before honorable mentions that I'm not going to do is. Dude, Josh. Then why mention them? Do you remember Viper? Do you remember that show Viper? The the hero had a red Viper, but whenever he hit it, it like a button, it turned into a like a silver like dome looking Viper, and he you know what? And shit. I don't. It was the most terrible CGI when it shelled over. I could only imagine Lynn watching it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Do you remember Mantis? He was in like a robot suit. <laughs> Do you remember that? I never watched. You know what? Look, I I have IMDb'd Earth thing under the sun. Dude, the 90s chef's kiss for yeah. some of the shit that came out. I, I really wish I would have done my list. I apologize because I feel like there's some, some nuggets that were missing that I I dropped hey, the ball, fellas. Don't feel bad because when we recorded them versus Tarantula, as we were like, "Hey, how are we going to do these plots?" We're like, "You know what? We'll divide them up. We're not going to try to do like Josh because what Josh does, we can't do. So we're not going to try to do that shit, right? We're just each going to take a movie and we're going to just talk about the plot of the movie." And Daniel's like, "Cool, man, cool. I got you, cuz." <laughs> and then I'm like, "I'm going to take them." He's like, and "I said, can you do Tarantula?" He's like, "Yeah, no problem, cuz." You know, just little jazz fingers and all that. <laughs> and then we get to we get to record the fucking episode. And he's like, "Oh shit, man, my bad. I forgot to do tarantula." So, <laughs> so he's I just, just wing it. Yeah, and he's it's like, gold. he's like, yeah. There's a there's this giant spider. <laughs> there's a giant spider. They kill it with napalm. So, all right, uh, let's uh, uh let's, let's move, move on to games. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go last the, on this one. Okay, I'll go first. Before we move on to games, Josh, you had said that you didn't do the list, so I was going to say the honorable mentions. Yes, but, uh, please. Thank you. Oh, I thought you did already. I thought that was madness. No, no, I, I wasn't going to do it, but he said that he didn't do his list, and he wished he would have, so I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll throw some of the shit that he missed. Yeah. Now, this isn't yeah. all shit that you watched or whatever, but some of these things are things that I watched. But uh, Gargoyles, the animated series, remember that one? Oh, mm-hmm. that, that was good. Uh, that was good. All that. All that's first year was 1994. That's still going, I think. Uh, Saturday Night Live for yeah, pre-teens. Saturday Night Live for kids, yeah. yeah. Uh, Weird Science, the TV show. Oh, oh my sure. God. It only lasted like two uh, two seasons, but... Vanessa yeah, Angel. TV show. Yeah. yeah. And Josh, this one's yeah. big for you. This one's big for you. You're going to kill yourself for not knowing this one. Say it. Secret World of Alex Mack. Yep, Secret World of Alex <laughs> Mack. Because you had the biggest crush on that chick. I remember, dude, dude. I look. I uh, there's so many like celebrity crushes I had. Yep, and she she might have been number one. Yeah. Uh, holy shit! Secret World of Alex Mack. There's two was, others I doubt y'all watched, but I did because I was a little young. Oh, you know? But Say VR Troopers. No. I don't and there know. There was that. another one that was super cheesy, but I remember watching it and it reminded me, but it was Super Human Samurai Cyber Squad. 
I don't that know what you just said. <laughs> Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. This sounds like a Power Rangers knockoff. It was pretty much, you, you know, all of those things. You just combine it, and there it is. But that's it for TV. All right. Let's oh, that cigarette of Alex Mack would have made my list just because of my fucking nine-year-old dick. <laughs> yeah. Let's... Move on. We'll move on to games, and I'll, and I'll make it quick because the hill to die on... I need to say it. Yeah, yeah I'll make it quick. Well, then go but ahead we'll do the games. games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, top three for 1994. Um, I'm not the gamer guy out of this group. Neither is Daniel, really. Uh, Bone is. So his list is going to be a little bit more um, better. Contrarian, yeah, better. <laughs> uh, number three is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Super Nintendo. The it, fuck? it was fun. Yeah, it was fun, man. It was fun. It was. Thank you, Daniel. All right. Number two was Madden 95 because I'm a sucker for fucking football games. And this is when Madden was not good. Not. No, it was. It was good. I remember having fun on this one, man. Uh, And number one is Road Rash. Holy shit. I missed that one. Hands down. Hands down. Road Rash for the Sega. We did. And it was amazing. Hell yeah. All right, Daniel. Uh, my three are going to be uh, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. That's a good game. It is a very good game. It's so fun. Uh, Super Metroid for the Super Nintendo. That's a good game. And my number one is Mega Man X for uh, Super Nintendo. I guess all three of those <laughs> were Super Nintendo, wasn't they? <laughs> no, I just like how you, we talked about this the other day. You're like, oh, shit, I, did, I forgot we had to do games. And it's like, I don't even know. And I was like, Mega Man X? He's like, that's right. It's going on my list. Hell yeah, man. I love Mega Man X. It's just so fun. So that would like went shot straight to the front. Yep. Stole it from Bone. Mega Man X was good. It was really fun. So yeah, my uh and I, and we were doing top fives, so I did top five games, you bastards. Oh, I, I thought that we were I cut my two off. My other two real quick were Sonic and Knuckles and Cruising USA sixty four. Nice. Number five for me was Saturday Night Slam Masters. Did y'all ever play that? Uh-uh. It was a Capcom game. It was a wrestling game, but it used like Street Fighter type controls. It man, it was so fun. It was just you had to play it, man. It was it had these fucking over the top characters and shit. They all had special moves and stuff, and you just worked through like the I think it was the tag was a tag team or maybe it had a single one on one mode. I can't remember, but yeah, number uh, number four for me was Super Metroid. Yeah, that was a that was a pretty big game when it released. Number three. And these were Super Nintendo games. I'm talking about like home releases. So number three yeah. for me was NBA Jam. That was such a classic game. Fuck Did that, that come that out that so, year? When you mm-hmm. got on, whenever you was on fire, oh my yeah. god. And you know, we, we talked about this previously, man, but I love NBA Jam so much. I got the fucking arcade machine in my house. Yeah. So I can no, play that shit. If I'd have known that it would have came out that same year, it totally missed my blind spot. It would have been number two instead of Madden. Number two on my list for 1994 was the home release of Mortal Kombat 2 on the Super Nintendo when they had the fucking blood and the fatalities. Oh, yeah. Man. Nasty with the fatalities. I played that shit so much. And that game was so good. But the number one game of 1994, without a doubt, hands down, and probably the best, I say probably, it is, and other people are going to be like, yeah, it's Chrono Trigger. You know what? Chrono Trigger is a good game. 
but it's also not at the level of Final Fantasy VI or Final Fantasy III as it was released in the United States. Final Fantasy III was such a good fucking game. And you had you had the interchangeable party members because Part 5 didn't release in the States. Part 4 was released as Part 2. Part 3 and Part 2 didn't release it in the States. But Part 4 was the first Super Famicom game or Super Nintendo game. And it releases uh, Final Fantasy Part 2. And you had different party members, but you always had, they always dictated to you what party members you were using, right? And it had a really good story. Um, but Final Fantasy VI was like that game, in the, like the, the first game in the Final Fantasy series where you got to change out your party members based on who you wanted. And they all had like predetermined classes. And it had like side content that you could do that you didn't have to do. But then during the course of the game, the bad guy won. And, oh, the, that's pretty awesome. and the planet was essentially fucking destroyed and you ended up like in a post-apocalyptic type setting. And, and at that point you were trying to essentially like rebuild, right? And it had yeah. such memorable characters. It had like Ultros, um, had Cyan whose family was killed, you know, and he had to deal with like the ghost and shit like that. Such a good fucking game. And it, you know, I remember, I think it was Christmas. I got Monday Night Football as a present from somebody, and that game was absolute trash. And I'd wanted Final Fantasy Seven or Final Fantasy Six or Final Fantasy Three, like I said, it was in the states, so bad, and I didn't get it. And this was when you could still trade shit in the next day without, you know, this is before you could couldn't return media because now everything's like code based, right? It's digital, and there's ways to pirate it. But you could take a cartridge back, and you could take it back to like Toys R Us, or whatever. And I remember returning Monday Night Football. My grandmother, we were on our way back um, to Mississippi. I think I was visiting my mom or something for Christmas, or we was in Texas, whatever. And I was on my way, we were on our way back, and she stopped at Toys R Us so I could trade it in. And I think Monday Night Football ran for like 40 or $50. And Final Fantasy III was a $70 game. And I thought I was fucking doomed. Just like, no, I'm not going to be able to get the That's game of one. Crazy. And my grandmother chipped in like the extra money so I could get that. And man, I played that game so much. And I still go back and play that one. Cause that's one of, that is probably my, that and four are my two favorite final fantasy games. And like I yeah. said, I, I put final fantasy six above Chrono Trigger. You know, a lot of people are gonna be like, you know, Chrono Trigger was the best super Nintendo RPG or the best RPG of the 16 bit era. Man, like I said, Chrono Trigger's fun. It's a good game, but in a sense, it's kind of basic. Final Fantasy VI brought in, more, it had more advanced systems, maybe, is the word, than what yeah. Chrono Trigger did. And, like, dude, it was it was so fucking good. And I love it. Yeah, it's funny, man. I never played uh, Chrono Trigger or uh, Final Fantasy III or VI, you know, whichever, you, however you want to call it. I didn't play a whole lot of RPGs. I liked my action-adventure games um, and puzzle games occasional fighting game you know yeah that was more my deal what about you josh did you ever play final fantasy no never did uh not one i i, I was never a, a fan of the turn-based rpgs that just wasn't my bag yeah um, like i'm a fan, of, a fan of pokemon and it's kind of like that where you're i mean is that considered an rpg mm-hmm Okay, so yeah, I do like uh, Pokemon, and it surprised me. Michael's actually the one that was like, look, man, check it out. It's actually a funner game than you would think. Give it a shot. And I did. I remember playing Pokemon Red, 
listening to uh, Rolling Stones on my mom's couch, chilling out back when I was younger. I had borrowed it from Michael and played it, and that started my love for Pokemon. Yeah, the little bit that I've played it over the years. I'm not a fanatic, you know? All right. So we're at the end. We got the one last segment to do, The Hill You're Willing to Die On. And it sounds like Josh has got something pretty juicy, so I guess we'll let him finish this one. So you and I can go first. Yeah, you okay. So, all right, cool. My hill that I'm willing to die on. So recently, and we talked about this briefly, we actually had an episode on this subject. It was one of our topics when we had, maybe it was Mitchell, or maybe it was maybe it was me, you, and Josh, Daniel. I'm, I can't remember, but we talked about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? So, and at the time, that they had- just you two, I believe. Maybe it was just us here, okay. But they haven't, at that time, they had not announced who was going in. And then the announcements came. They had their fan vote. And I don't even know that the fan vote mattered because the people that won the fan vote didn't go in. And the people that came in last in the fan vote did. But they did their, they announced who was going in and all that. And one of the exclusions was Iron Maiden. And I love Iron Maiden. And I know, I know Josh doesn't really care for Iron Maiden. And he's going to have to listen to him at some point because we're going to make him. But you cannot deny the impact that Iron Maiden had on heavy metal. You cannot deny what Iron Maiden did with little to no airplay in the United States. You can hear the influence of Iron Maiden on bands like Metallica and Megadeth. And they will tell you that they were influenced by Iron Maiden. They have cultivated a fan base that every time they go on tour, it is a major fucking event. They're selling out stadiums across the world. And yet somehow, through all this, without the radio airplay without the support of, you know, the stations and whatever, and despite their influence on this genre of music, we have deemed them not to be good enough to go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Not that they would accept the invite anyways. They flat out said that we think the place is a farce and we wouldn't go, but the fact they're not in there is a fucking joke. How can, and this isn't a knock on anybody that enjoys this band, and this isn't a knock on the band because they have songs I like, but you can't tell me that their impact was greater. How the fuck does Bon Jovi get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Iron Maiden does not? Like, in what People fucking universe? Iron Maiden. People love Bon Jovi. What fucking universe does that happen? The only thing that was ever epic about Bon Jovi was his hair. They had some good songs. They were catchy, but they were the they were like the little brothers of the whole hair metal scene. They weren't like sleazy or dangerous, anything like that. They were a PG version of that scene and they got in. Yeah. Who did they influence? What was their impact on the music scene? And there's other bands that got into, but I like to use, I just use that one as an example. But like I said, you have a place that's called the rock and roll hall of fame. And it's, you have bands that are going in there that aren't making contributions really. And it's almost like it's how the Academy Awards used to be where they picked the most pretentious fucking movies all the time. Because it used to be yeah. there that a movie like The Dark Knight would not get nominated. the movie A movie like Return of the King would not win. And they seem to be better about it now. But there was a point where it was just, it seemed like it was a bunch of stuffy old people, you know, picking out shit that amused them. And that's how the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame feels. We pick out, we do some picks that we know we're going to be like, okay, this will make the masses happy. But then the rest of it's just, whatever you've got like stevie nicks has gone into the rock and roll hall of fame twice and i understand part of his fleetwood mac and in her solo career 
and once again, not a knock on Stevie Nicks, but Stevie Nicks can get in twice, and Iron Man can't get in once. It took Rush forever to get in. And how much did an impact did Rush have on like prog rock? It's just yeah, yeah. They should they should be there, whether you like them or not. You cannot deny the impact, and you can feel it all over these bands. And like I said, and you can see it when they fucking go on tour. Well, it's I remember when we first had this discussion, and we were talking about the list that somebody had made. Some fucking twenty three year old uh, intern at whatever bullshit um, internet journalist whatever, and they had. Number one is Chuck Berry. And Chuck Berry, um, in terms of influence, matters in terms of rock and roll. Mm -hmm. In terms of what he brings to the table, though, no more than Iron Maiden. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, Iron Maiden's influence is felt even now, you know, with the the power rock. Not thrash rock. the, The power metal. And Chuck Berry... Is you know he him or Little Richard you you can argue amongst yourselves who invented rock and roll him or Little Little Richard but that's not but you're not basing his resume off you know Johnny B Good it's Johnny B Good and then what and I like Chuck Berry um, but no as, as someone who isn't a fan of English power metal I can honestly say that. Like, if you're going to face the, hol- the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame off influence, then fucking Iron Maiden is top 10 influencers, you know? Yep. They've been around forever. And it's funny because I haven't even really listened to them much. I've listened to the little bit that he's listened, uh, Bones listened to, but I've never really dived into Iron Maiden myself. But I know that they have been around forever. And it's weird because, you know, as far as I know, they were a pretty big fucking band that did, did influence a lot. So it is odd to hear that they're not in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Here, just to give you an idea, here's one of the bands that went in. And once again, this isn't a fucking knock on the band, but how they get in over Iron Maiden, the Go-Go's. Go-Go's had four albums. And one of like they had Beauty and the Beat, Vacation, Talk Show, and then they didn't have anything from 1984 until 2001. Yeah, and then they returned with... Um, God Bless the Go-Go's. Yeah. They went in. Tina Turner as a solo artist went in. Todd Rundgren went in this year. Carol King. Jay-Z. I, I mean, I, I'm i fine with Jay-Z going in. I agree with that. You know, Jay-Z's had an influence. And he's done a lot. The Foo Fighters went in this year. Last year. Oh, here, here's another one. Okay. Once again, not a knock on the band, but Nine Inch Nails. Honestly, at this point, I think it's about selling tickets, you know? And that's this what it's become, you know. It's almost like the Golden Globes of music. That's a shame. That's a shame, Daniel. That is what's shame. your what is your hill that you're willing to die on? Whenever I was making my games list, right? This game didn't come out in 1994, but uh, whenever I was making my games list, you know, you got people to talk about the best this game, the best that game, you know. Um, but it made me think about racing games, right? People are like, oh, this is game, this game, you know, the best, whatever. For me, and this is my hill to die on, is that Pod Racer for the Nintendo 64 is the greatest Nintendo 64 game to exist. Well, even racing. O- even game. over Ocarina of Time? 
no, no, no. That's why I changed it. Racing game. <laughs> changed it last second. The, oh, that's so lame, though, Daniel. That's kind of lame. <laughs> He's got a racing game. It's a fucking. But how many great racing games are there's Mario Kart? That's it. Mario Kart 64. Well, there's the cruising games. Yeah, the cruising games. Oh. You know, shit like that. But Pod Racer. No one ever expects Pod Racer. Is it better than uh, Mario Kart? Why are you asking me? You remember how great Pod Racer episode one. For the 64 no, was. No, I'm asking that you this because so I also remember, I, I remember how great Mario 60, Mario Kart 64 is too. Yeah, it is. It is pretty good, but it's not no pod racer. <laughs> Are you sure about that? I'm positive. That's okay. a hill I will okay. die on. Get the rifle. So what's yours, Josh? <laughs> let's let's go to your hill. Okay. Have you ever played pod racer, Bone? Uh, I think briefly. I know a lot of people like it. It was so it. fun. It was really fun. But anyway, go ahead, Josh. No, it, it, it was the fun. Was it yours. was fun. But I, I felt like you totally dismissed Mario Kart 64 there. Yeah, that's why it's so shocking. <laughs> and it's a shocking topic for a hill to die on. Okay. Nothing could top that shock. Try it. Okay, Daniel, do you want to do you want to say what my hill to die on is? I knew what your hill to die on was immediately when we started when you said that you changed it cuz it's 1994. The Shawshank Redemption is nowhere near as good as people think it. It's one of the most overrated movies in existence, right? It is. It, it yeah. to me I, I I think it is I think it's the most Shaw- overrated. I love Shawshank people. No, no, no. Look, and and this isn't this oh, is hey, almost like Josh, with my inception. Josh, real quick before you dive into it, I, I will say I'll tell you that when we last night when me and Daniel were talking about this and we were talking about it earlier, oh, Jesus, you're like, shitting on me. He's like, yeah, he's like, I know this is gonna piss Josh off, and I'm list Shawshank Redemption. He's gonna hate it. No, not hate that's it. That's why. That's the sole reason it went to my number one spot. No. His list is actually a farce, just so he can fuck with you. <laughs> no, I, I haven't even seen any of the other movies on my list, <laughs> or Shawshank Redemption, for that matter. <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, I think Shawshank Redemption is um, the most overrated movie um, ever. That's not to say that I don't think it's a good movie. It is a good movie. But it is a movie in which your protagonist is the most boring character ever. He's almost like this Jesus figure. And to keep the audience engaged, that's the reason why Frank Darabont had Morgan Freeman narrate every scene, is to keep you engaged because Andy Dufresne couldn't do it. Because he's so goddamn boring. And he's so Jesus-like. You know the scene to where he, on the rooftop, where he convinces the warden. He's like, hey, I know how you can keep some money. And he threatens to throw him off the roof. And they, um, they he makes a deal to where he can, you know, become his accountant. If the guys on the rooftop can have a beer in the sun. And then, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then like they get to that point and they offer Andy Dufresne a beer. He's like, no, I'm good. It's like, you fucking asshole. You can't share a beer with 
your prison buddies because you're so holier than thou. It it, it it's so pretentious in in Dufresne's quest to where literally you're only rooting for him based on Morgan Freeman's perception of him. Uh, it is it is a movie about hope, and I get why people gravitate towards that. They people are going to gravitate towards hope. Uh, yeah, naturally, every day they're gonna they're, they they love they love stories of baby Jessica being rescued from the well. They're gonna love Andy Dufresne's story, but Andy Dufresne as a character, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. And, you know, it is on IMDb. It's the top rated movie. And it's it blows my mind because it's just it's so obvious and it's machinations, I guess. I don't know, like the the scene where Andy Dufresne breaks into the um the room and then he plays opera and all the inmates stop what they're doing. And just fucking stare into the sky like these fucking retards had never heard music before. It's just so silly. He was a hero to those people, Josh. I, yeah. For, You're looking at it all the wrong way. <laughs> That's why you don't understand why everyone thinks this is great. You're watching no, I, it wrong. I, I do get why people like it. I, I It's a good movie. It is not great. I, I showed Donald a little... You know, uh, my girlfriend, this, and you know, we watched it like in the last two years. It's a good movie. It, it is nowhere near great. Uh, Frank Darabont did better with Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three. You know, in terms of Stephen King adaptations, it's probably top five, truth be told. But it is, it, it's saccharine. You know, it's, it's drugstore candy sweet. Yeah. It, and everyone loves that candy. They do, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just, I think that the drugstore just poisons your piece of candy. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. Yeah. So that's what's just got you, you know. So you're remembering that first time, every time you watch it, not giving it a chance. I, again, like I think, I think the best parts of the movie are uh, Brooks, who we talked, who who y'all previously talked about, and them. When he's alone and Morgan Freeman, I, th- I think the most interesting parts of the movie are the, the subjects aren't being discussed in the movie as in terms of being institutionalized. You know, when Morgan Freeman gets out um, and then he sees the post, Brooks was here and so yeah. was Red. You know, uh, the line, get busy living or get busy dying, you goddamn right. That's That's beautiful shit. It's just surrounded by the most boring character in Andy Dufresne, who I don't care if he gets out, you know, because he's like a Jesus character. He's Harry Potter. I don't give a fuck about Harry Potter. Don't. The chosen one. We know that's a lie. You told us how much you love Harry Potter earlier. Yeah, I know. We should have recorded that. Yeah, and you hate Draco Malfoy. Syrian son of a bitch. (laughs) Let's Slytherin, you bastard. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, those muffle puffs. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, so your hill let's wrap was, it up. Your Just, hill was that Daniel's pick was wrong. God 
damn. No, the, his hill was that he blooded. was confused watching the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My yeah. hill was, I forgot what came out. What did you say, Daniel, earlier in terms of games? Crash Test Dummies? Crash Test no, Dummies. It was uh, Cruising USA. No, what was the other one? Pod Racer, episode one. Oh, oh, you're talking about my hill? No, there was a die on. No, there was a number. There was a, another number that it would have been my number two. Oh well, never mind. We don't, it we don't X. I was gonna say we don't have that kind of time to try to figure out which oh, you've forgotten. Oh, now we don't have the time. Let's restart. <laughs> Let's just restart from the from the top. So, Daniel, man, you got any final thoughts? Any uh, closing remarks? Uh, yeah, it was fun, man. Uh, the years are interesting. I enjoy doing that. Can't wait to talk about another movie with Josh, though. Yeah. That'll be fun. Josh, final words. Yeah. Um, you know, it it made me realize how great of a year 1994 was. Um, cinema, music. And, you know, I, I, I do enjoy these years that we dissect because it, it brings about many different conversations. And I can't wait to talk about a movie with Daniel either <laughs> all right Any, uh, the next one we have planned or one of the next ones going to be a great one it is that's the only that's the only hint i'll give so it's going to be very great any words for the listeners josh as we wrap up uh you know no what look you know this if you're listening to this right now you know that uncle josh loves you you look in that mirror and i don't care what you see I see a beautiful soul, and you know what? You get a beautiful face, and I would fuck that face of yours. I don't care what you look like. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> just really got, amping up the love here. Yeah, we got creepy right off the bat with his uncle Josh. <laughs> now he's their uncle who's fucking their faces. This is getting a little out of hand. Hey, I'm just making sure that we get kicked off whatever platform we're on. Yeah. Hey, uncle Josh wants to face fuck you, baby doll. But seriously, that being said, um, Anthony Wozlowski, I know you're out there. I'm going to fuck that face of yours. <laughs> Oh my God! Is that a threat or a promise, Josh? It's both. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Okay, everyone. Thank you for listening. Check out the website. We are trying to do weekly content. We will have another list coming up. <laughs> uh, bi-weekly, tri-weekly content. Oh, me and Daniel are going to get ours out weekly. Uh, we'll we'll uh, still be waiting I shouldn't on your have said anything. I shouldn't. Have, I shouldn't have said anything. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and by the time you hear this, we should have multiple lists up on the website, actually, because I wasn't thinking about the time it'd take for this episode to come out. But thank you for listening. Um, check out the list. Leave your thoughts. You know, we got the Facebook page. We got the Instagram page. We got the Twitter. You know, interact with us. Um, yeah, we want to hear your lists. What's your top five Megadeth albums? That's right. What did you think about 94? What was your favorite shit to come out in 1994? Also, well, we also rate and review. I don't know if you were going to say that. I just, look, we're going to be that podcast because we have eight listeners. Uh, rate and review. 
So on iTunes or yeah, wherever you get your podcasts. That is, cr- uh, yeah, that is true. Yeah, hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating. If you love the podcast, you know, give us a good rating. If you hate the podcast, then uh, just move on <laughs> just to a back more enjoyable. Out from the ratings. Yeah, <laughs> just leave the rating alone. And I mean, if you're at this point in the podcast and you hate it, then you know what? You're hate listening. Once you hate review, <laughs> yeah. Um, also, you know, we're going to start. We're doing the letterbox thing, so you know, check us out on there. You know, see how we rate our movies. You know, interact. Exciting. Coming up, though, our the current plan for some upcoming episodes is to have Courtney back on with us for a couple movies, and so we got some exciting stuff coming up. We won't mention it because plans are subject to change, and I don't want you to be like, well, Billy said we were going to have this, and then it didn't happen, and then you're like, that motherfucker's a liar. But thank you for listening, everyone, and we will see you later. (laughs) So long. Good luck. I don't recall saying good luck. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>